This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. And it all takes place while you're filling out financial reports at work, in the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen, call in sick, do whatever you got to do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by Zach Blostein and under the weather, Chris Nee. Chris, how you doing, big guy? I feel like crap. Chris feels like crap, which is not totally different from how he normally feels, but I think it's crappier. Zach, how Yeah, the whole not being able to breathe thing is like a downer. Yeah, breathing's overrated. Zach, how you doing? Clearly better than Chris, but doing well. Um I appreciate Chris for for you know working through this and and coming on the pod. Yeah, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. No, just stop it. You're making me feel worse. <laughs> this episode of On the Bench is brought to you by Chattanooga Whiskey for the foreseeable future. Uh, we want to thank our partners at Chattanooga Whiskey as well as our Knowles 24-7 subscribers and our on-the-bench listeners, often the same group, uh, for supporting Chattanooga Whiskey and making this a sponsorship that will continue throughout the 2024 year. So thank you, Chattanooga Whiskey. Thank you to our listeners and our consumers of what is, without a doubt, the finest craft distillery in the game uh, located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. They've gone throughout the entire region of the southeast and become a really reputable uh distributor of bourbon, rye, other types of whiskey, uh, all sorts of experimental stuff. You can find them in a very unique uh, bottle with a, uh, with a, with a cork top and uh, looks a little different than the other ones. That's how you know it's going to be Chattanooga whiskey. Their 111 is my go-to for just a standard like daily sipper. They have all sorts of stuff that you can find them public supermarkets. You can find them in local stores. You can find them on sealbacks. You need to order it all over the place. So thank you to Chattanooga whiskey. Gentlemen, this is going to be a mailbag. Okay, Zach, you got to bring the energy because I don't think Chris can get up the octave. So do it, do it the right way, please. Mailbag, <laughs> mailbag, mailbag episode. It's been a minute. We're going to do a few of these throughout the off season. It's a good way for us to uh, listen to what you guys want us to talk about, uh, to answer and address questions, and also for me to not really think about the content that we're going to do as well. If I'm being totally honest, and just read what you guys have for us so if you want to ask questions best way to do it go to no, go to knowles247.com uh, we will create a thread every now and then go ahead and ask your questions in there 
So it's for our subscribers. Here we go. Tampa Null 776 starts us off. What is your pre-spring win-loss record right now? You have the right to change it before the season. You hear that, Zach? We have the right to change it. I'm at 10 and 2. I want to see what the team looks like in the spring. Uh, you know, DJU as a motor of the offense, how is that going to work effectively defensively? How is FSU going to make up for everything they lost, specifically some of those front seven losses? Um, I think they can exceed 10 and 2. I think the floor is not much below 10 and 2, personally. Maybe one, one and a half losses more is where I kind of sit right now. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. You know, Chris, that Tampano just wrote down everything that you said and will hold it against you if you're wanting oh, to go to forget. off in February. Tampano doesn't forget anything. My contract's guaranteed. I don't give a shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is a 10 win football team on paper right now. Um, you know, obviously subject to change because we're going to get a lot more info about this team after spring ball. But Right, you have the right to change it. You don't have to. Yeah, call no, it. I'm just saying subject right to subject to change because I do think that there are a lot of unknowns. Obviously, with you know all the transfer additions that were made, and a lot of those guys are clearly going to make an impact. And I think you know how much of an impact that really impact that really is going to you know tell the story of whether this team be, is a uh, you know up to the level of, of the team we watched on the field last year. Um, I don't think they are personally. Uh, but you know, maybe in spring ball, they look all world and, and my opinion changes. But right now, I think on paper, I think 10 wins is, is the right number. Um, I mean, the, the line that was set, Florida State's, uh, you know, win loss, I think, um, on like betting apps is nine and a half. So I was surprised by that. You honest. thought it'd be lower? That'd be eight and a half. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking nine wins. Um, I, just, I think the schedule, right? The, like there's a... I mean, what Notre, Notre Dame, Dame is, Dame is probably game. your hardest. Yeah, it's probably your hardest game. Late but then you get, you know, Clemson at home, Florida at home. I guess Miami is probably the second hardest game away. I think Miami has nine and a half wins as well, yeah. and so does Clemson. So, yeah. uh, the variables are are so drastic right now, yeah. and and yeah, what does DJU look like? Does he go ahead and just? and make sure there's no conversation with a quarterback battle or anything like that. Like, does he go ahead and own the offense the way that I think you're hoping him to? And that's a starting point. Uh, by the way, Chris, let's talk about DJU yesterday. Extremely impressive. We had a chance to actually sit down, talk with him first time since he's been at Florida state. And uh, it was about a 20 minute interview. And, and one of the more of the about 30 or so interviews that we've had over the last few weeks, one of the more impressive ones, it's a guy who's obviously been on, been on a long journey and um, acts accordingly as, as a, a young man who's very much so in adulthood at this point in his life. Yeah, very mature individual. I think the thing that stood out to me is he wanted to be here, um, and that coincides with what we were told during that process. He essentially waited three weeks for the offer. It's where he wanted to go. You know, it was him or Cam, Cam Ward. Do I think the ceiling might be higher with Cam Ward? Sure. I think Cam Ward's potential is phenomenal. I also think the floor would be lower with Cam Ward. I think with DJU, you feel very confident that you got a talented guy that has a boatload of experience who has a desire to improve who is interested in learning under a really good offensive minded head coach and i think the greatest thing about him is that he's just he's fully committed to it he wants to be there he's been here roughly 30 plus days at this point and talking to a few people that have been around him pretty regularly both coaches and players the thing that i consistently hear is that he's just like he's fully engaged that he's a good guy like he's easy to like 
He's a guy that wants to work with you, whether you're new, you're old, you're competing with him at the position. Doesn't matter. He's very much an open book with regards to kind of learning with everybody. And also the other thing that I consistently hear is that he just he goes after it like he gets after it. He, I think he used hard hat maybe a half dozen times yesterday about his work ethic. And that's probably an apt description based on what I've been told about him. Next up, Big Earn wants to know, was there actually any concern over the battles and latest push of Hakeem, not Hakeem Williams, and over what exactly, if you can share? Uh, I can take this? Unless Zach sure. wants to. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. I don't think there was a huge concern. I just think where we are at the transfer portal or era of, it's not even transfer portal era, it's just transfer all the time era. You can transfer out semester, semester. Uh, pretty much, and, and continue to, at this time, uh, transfer out amateur hour, Chris. Uh, but you're sick. We'll let, we'll let it. We'll, it's fine. Um, you can transfer at any time, pretty much. And so, you know, someone like a Hakeem Williams can be courted uh, by other schools, not legally, but let's not pretend that tampering isn't happening all over the place in college football. Everyone's doing it. Uh, that's not a, a slight or a judgment. That's 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 how it is. Um, so yeah, like if he wanted to go ahead and and try to go somewhere differently for a a semester and then come back to a more stable spot, not seen at Florida State, but if you want to go and try your hat at a an up and coming school or, or something just different that was going to pay you a ton of of NIL opportunities, like that would be something that would be possible. Um, Ultimately, was there a ton of you know, consternation with it? No, I don't. I don't think so. It's just something that this is the new norm. Uh, there's always going to be a level of uh, having to work very hard to retain your players, and that retention now I think is semester semester more than it is year to year now. Uh, golf clap time for battles and FSU had 18 outgoing transfers. Of that 18, how many do you think FSU probably truly want to retain? You know, Dennis Briggs is a guy who I think they would have been happy to keep. But I don't think they were exactly going to fight to keep him either. I think that um, was a, a timing deal with, with Dennis Briggs that happened yeah. so late in the transfer portal cycle. Uh, you would have been able to act a little differently. But I heard he also went back and forth on what he wanted to do. Stay, go, maybe be done with football. Retire. Not entirely yeah. sure what he was going to do. So that complicated. Obviously, Tate left. You know, Maybe they intended to keep him, but I don't think they I cared. Don't, I mean, no. they I were going so. portal for a quarterback, and that portal quarterback was going to be the guy that was going to be at the top of the list as far as who would start next year. So my main point is that retention is still very good around this place. I mean, they, they would have liked to have kept Rodney Hill at a reasonable rate. He's yeah, yeah but he made a poor decision. I don't want to pile on the kid, but no. that's what he did. The low, the, I think the biggest loss to me is bless Harris. I think no one really talks about that, but like, I know that he's battled a ton of injuries, but when he's healthy, he's one of their best linemen. It's a capable swing tackle, I think, is what he was reliable and, and but yeah, yeah, I, I mean that's that's valuable. That's that's a I got Micah thing. Pittman vibes there. Essentially, uh, where he went, I think he landed what TCU, TCU? Yeah. was going to make an offer that was going to be more significant than any offer he's going to get from here. Yeah, and if it and was an assured up a lot, so sort of like a spot. You know, yeah, good for you type of thing. Uh, give me, yeah, it, it is a loss. He's a starter mentality guy. Given where we were in early December or, or mid-December, like with Pat Payton, with Josh Farmer, uh, that you're able to – Lundy actually in the portal at that time. Yeah. Lundy in the portal at that time. Lundy in the portal, committed to Colorado. You get him back. Um, yeah. I mean, the, you you kind of weather that storm. Now, again, semester to semester now. Like this isn't a 
You can go through the spring. You got them through the spring. Just because you get through the spring doesn't mean that they're going to be there in the fall. Like that's a thing to monitor. But I think you're in a, a pretty good position of understanding the market and how things have shifted with some of the new rules and that's ever changing. But like, yeah, you've established a pretty good defensive front with what you've done from a retention standpoint. But to answer your question, Bigger, no, there was never a huge amount of concern with it. I think it's something you had to you know, make sure you committed to Hakeem Williams. Uh, you obviously value him a ton. Mike Norvell loves Hakeem. Uh, you, you battled for him on the recruiting trail as a prep recruit. You just had to make sure that you took, took care of him, basically. Uh, Truex 14 who are three non-starters slash contributors from 2023 you expect to make a bigger impact in 2024? Okay. I will start the bidding because I've seen the question to know. Uh, technically, he was not a full-time starter last year. He will be this year. Uh, he will probably be an all-ACC caliber type of player with NFL upside. That's Azaria Thomas. He was a sub-starter, I think, last year, but he becomes an integral part of your defensive back uh, rotation and, and probably one of your more versatile pieces on defense in general. So I will start the bidding with him as, as one of the three. Yeah, DJ Lundy comes to mind for me, not technically a starter a season ago. He's obviously going to have an increased role, so I'll take the easy one there. There was somebody I thought of on offense if, if Coach Tokart's up there. Uh, Zach doesn't bring him up. I'll I'll drop the name. Um, I'll go Kaziah Holmes. I think he's going to have a bigger role in the running back rotation. Obviously, I think Roy Dale Williams, uh, that addition complicates that a little bit, but I do think the staff is really high on Kaziah Holmes and – um, you know, he's he's here for another year. So I, I do think that he'll he'll have a bigger role in that rotation than he did this past season. Yeah, I'm do all we in consider on Kentron. Oh. Do we consider Kentron a starter a season ago? Uh no. He was he hurt most of it. I mean, that was the king of the spring. I uh, had apparently an amazing summer as well and just got hurt and, and stayed hurt. Um yeah, kind of feels like it's now or never for him, but he does feel like somebody who's continually escalated up with his ability. Just hasn't been able to show it as much. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, the wide receiver dynamic in general is super interesting to me because I think you have a bunch of capable guys, but you don't have a surefire number one that you know of right now. Now, that could be Malik Benson. Uh, we've heard really good things about him so far during tour duty uh, early on in the offseason. But, like, I mean, I, I can go down a list and make a reasonable case. Like, who's your, your problem number two wide receiver? Could be could be Tron, could be Ja'Kai Douglas, could be Hakeem Williams breaking out. Um, Destin Hills probably in Destin that mix. Hills to a name that you would you know, should at least consider on that. Like so, I mean, right there, there's four or five guys that like who who becomes you know a consistent threat for you. Darren Williamson figure it out. I mean, talk about now or never. And this is about it for him. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, there's there's something there. So wide receiver would be interesting. Uh, let's see. Doug Knowles prediction on our recruiting class ranking and who is most likely to commit next. So I think they mean prep recruiting, Zach. I will throw this to you. Where do you yeah, think, I think top, top 10 probably? I, no, I don't, I don't know that I'm, I'm ready to predict them to go top five. Um, they, I mean, they, they're off to a good start in 2025. Um, the two positions that I think, you know, they probably needed to recruit better in the past, so, you know, a few cycles, O-line, D-line, they have commits from the number one interior offensive lineman in the country, and then a borderline five-star edge prospect and Javion Hilson. So, like, they're off to a good start there. Um, you know, I, they need to close on, on more guys at those positions, and, you know, I think the spring will be big for that as they kind of lay the groundwork for the summer, which is when the, you know, real recruiting battles kind of go down um, before the season. So, 
yeah, to me, I think top 10 makes sense. You know, that would be an upgrade over this past year. I think they finished, what, 12 in the final rankings. I, I mean, it's they, the, the final rankings go on for like, you know, two months or whatever after, um, you know, the initial signing day where 99% of guys sign. So it's a little odd there, but, but I, but I do think they have top 10 potential. And then, um, next commitment, I'd go, uh, Greg Zay Thomas. I think we're going to, you know, I think he wants to go by Zay Thomas. We'll start calling him that. Um, he's a guy that if you look at his crystal ball, it's all Florida state. I put one on, put one in first, like I believe after his visit in January, and then, um, a lot of other national people have, have followed suit. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's probably the guy I'd expect to commit to Florida state next. Um, maybe you know, someone unexpectedly does, but, but I do think that Florida state sits in a really, really, really good spot for, for Zay Thomas out of American heritage, the four-star DB. So Zach, Daryl Duke Johnson, who's ranked as a linebacker, but FSU, we believe likes him as a safety, is ranked number four at linebacker in the country. Tavion Wallace, ranked number six at linebacker in the country. If FSU lands both of them, how are you going to handle that? Like mentally, how is that going to seep into your brain? Yeah, well, I'm counting that as one linebacker addition. But if, <laughs> yeah, if they do land Tavion Wallace, that's an, like, that'd be, a, I mean, they, you, we're, we're also considering that each, Ethan Pritchard's already committed and he's a, you know, composite four-star linebacker who I think is probably like a linebacker in a safety body. Um, yeah. But like his his strength is like going to be in coverage, but which I think is you know kind of good. Like I I think Florida State, you know, they haven't really recruited a lot of linebackers that that can do that um, in recent years out of the high school ranks. So like I think that's a that'd be an awesome linebacker class. And you know I think like like you mentioned, uh, they're they're recruiting Duke Johnson as a safety, but he has some linebacker versatility. So, Chris, to answer your question, I'd be very excited about that. The sun is rising. Uh, Tramil Jones is in this class. Let's talk about him real quick, Zach. You've seen him in person twice now this offseason. By all accounts, like your, your own eyes and, and just what uh, nationally is being reported on him. Sounds like everyone's been really excited about what he's what he's done. Yeah. I, I think the most noteworthy thing about Tramel is, you know, a lot of, you know, quarterbacks – when you're trying to evaluate quarterbacks in the high school ranks, a lot of it comes down to how are they improving year over year, right? Like are there, is their production getting better? Are their throwing mechanics getting better? Like all of the factors that go into being a successful quarterback, is he improving on that? And I think Tramel has been one of the, you know, most consistent steady risers when it comes to just straight up production. I mean, in 2022, he threw for 2310 yards, 23 touchdowns and nine interceptions this past season. He went for 3195 yards, 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So he improved in every single uh cat statistical category as a quarterback and I've watched him in, you know, two settings so far this offseason, the camp setting at Under Armour Orlando. And then the seven on seven setting at Battle Miami. He was impressive in both. He won the MVP award at, at Under Armour Orlando, did not get uh, an Under Armour invite. Um, I mean, you to be honest, that, that's how it works. Like if you get MVP, you don't you don't get uh, automatically get an invite. Um, and usually I think they 
like honestly like i i do think they kind of pre-select who's invited before the event even starts so like if you show up and you're a high-ranking kid like they're gonna you're gonna get an invite um it's just kind of you know whatever right like that's just kind of how it works but um you, they do st still send invites after the camp so like just because he didn't get an invite at this one doesn't mean he won't be at at the under armor game um so we'll see on that but no, he was he was clearly the best quarterback at that event, um, and he was probably you know of the 25, 2025 quarterbacks, he was the only like really noteworthy guy. There, there were a couple twenty twenty six arms that were impressive, but Trammell was was clearly um, the best at that event, which you know says something because you know there there were some some guys that will end up at you know P four schools um, in the twenty twenty six class, and and Trammell was was uh, no doubt the best one there. So. I'm impressed by him. He's consistent. Um, you don't really find him uh, getting, you know, in erratic you know, moments on the field. Like it, he's not um, a guy that, you know, if you look at his stats, right, he only had seven interceptions this past year. Um, and, and you watch his high school game film. It, it He's gotten a lot better, man. Like he, the velocity of his throws is, is super impressive. He's filled out in his frame. You know, I think a lot of people knock him for his height, which is, you know, definitely noteworthy, right? I think he's only about six foot, six foot one. Um, but but I do think that he's filled out a, a good amount on his frame, which allows him to be, you know, more of a pocket presence because you know, he, he's put on some more muscle mass. Um, and then two areas of growth I want to see in Tremont Jones moving forward. I think mobility. Um, I think that's... You know, I wouldn't call it a strength of his game. He is good at throwing on the run, but I'd like to see him, um, you know, there are a few highlight clips on his junior film that you don't really see in his sophomore film where he's using his legs and, you know, just scrambling and, and you know, getting a few yards. Like, he doesn't have to be uh, a guy that's, you know, running every other play, but, like, he is mobile and he has the ability to make plays on the ground. And I think that would add a whole you know, another dynamic to his game that I'd like to see him improve upon. And then I think the deep ball, um, if you watch his junior tape, like I've been, you know, talking about, he makes some really impressive intermediate passes. Like that's really where his his game is, you know, shines. But I'd like to see him improve on on that true deep ball. Um, you know, you don't see it a ton on, on that film. And obviously in a camp, uh, slash seven on seven setting. That's probably not where you're going to see guys, you know, throwing the deep ball because um, they're only working with a portion of the field usually. So that's, you know, if you're talking about two areas of growth, those are the two areas that I'd like to see him improve upon the most. But man, like you talk to college coaches, you know, I've mentioned this before, but he's he's been a guy that is consistently getting better, which I think is a massively positive trait from a high school quarterback. They can evaluate quarterbacks, huh? They consistently done it well. Seems like a thing. Coach Tokarts. What's up with that? What? Why I, are you Coach Tokarts on the? Because I, we got to figure out if that's how his name is spelled. Because both DJU and Luke Romanoff call him that. I will right, we'll ask. We'll ask Tony if it's Tokarts or Tokars. Speaking of quarterbacks in the future, Buddy Noel wants to know who's the starting quarterback in twenty twenty five. Brooke. Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Toe cart name pronunciations. Brock, Luke, or the field? Uh Chris, I'll I'll start with you. I think field would mean either a transfer quarterback or Tramel Jones. If you have to go transfer in 2025, I think something went wrong. 
I think Brock and Luke will battle it out. I think I'd lean towards Brock right now simply because he has more experience in the system. I also think Brock is plenty capable, but I think it will be a battle, and I don't think Luke will shy away from it. I think this year for Luke will be very good. Luke's a sponge kind of kid. He loves working. I think he's going to learn a great deal despite not playing very many snaps. Yeah, I'd probably go Luke. Um, I think that's probably the goal, right, if you're bringing in your borderline five-star QB. Um, and I understand that they like Brock a lot, and he'll probably have the leg up just from you know understanding the scheme because a lot of these coaches on the staff have you know talked about how difficult it is to pick up on the scheme, and I, I'd assume the most difficult position to pick up is quarterback um, and fully understanding – what Mike Norvell wants this offense to be. So, but I, I just buy, you know, Luke Cromenhawk, like, because I know him, um, you know, we had him on the X's and O's show. And I mean, the dude is a borderline savant when it comes to football, like he's super impressive um, both on and off the field. So I just buy on, on, you know, him being ready in year two to, to take over the reins of this offense. All right, here's a question that kind of hurts my brain a little bit. Destin O wants to know, what is more likely? DJ Uyunglele regresses in 2024 or plays on par with the 2023 version of Jordan Travis statistically? So, Am I allowed to say neither? Yeah, yes, because there's some variance there, sure. I mean, I, I, I don't think he regresses. I think that Mike Norvell is very good at squeezing the orange and getting as much out of the orange as possible. I think that's just sort of how he's wired as an offensive-minded coach. I also don't I don't feel comfortable comparing DJ to Jordan in many ways. I think DJ will run more than Jordan probably did a season ago. Throwing wise, you know, probably be pretty comparable, but I think Jordan probably had a better uh accessory package as far as weapons to throw to at receiver. So I think that changes dynamic. So I don't think the numbers compare to Jordan, but I also don't think he regresses. Jordan Sorry. also had four years in the system. Right. DJ is going to have nine months like it. And that is significant. Like this is not a, it's not one of the, my understanding is not one of the more like crazy complex schemes in the country, but it's also, I mean, it's still, it's not, you know, a, a space and pace, you know, plug and play type of offense either. So I mean, there's going to be a learning process. And I know like FSU has a confidence in, Someone like a Kyle Morlock because it's a year two in the scheme for him. They had to do some things with so many newcomers in scope positions last year to simplify some of the offense. And you'd see times where Jordan Travis would get frustrated with wide receivers for where they were um, when he was trying to target them, things like that. So the point being is, is that having, having the expectation that DJ runs the offense as efficiently as Jordan Travis, probably not realistic but that doesn't mean the production can't be kind of comparable. You just might have you know, hit more shot plays or use DJ as a runner more like Chris said. I mean, I think that's possible. If you get similar levels of production, I think that's a win for you. I mean, that's that's an awesome transition to go from DJ from Jordan to DJ and then to either the quarterbacks of the future. That'd be excellent if you got anywhere close to the Jordan-like progression. Uh, fake Momentum wants to know, is this for you, Chris? What are your thoughts on the basketball program? Can FSU be competitive in the NIL space for basketball? I'm incredibly frustrated by the basketball program. I think the roster construction in the last couple of years has been downright miserable. Um, I do like Taylor Ball Baldwin, so it's not all been bad. And Jameer Watkins was a very good pickup in the portal. But beyond that, a lot of disappointment. 
Um, can they be competitive in the NIL space? Probably, but I don't think so under the current staff and regime. I don't think they are mentally wired as guys who have been around basketball for 50 years to handle this new age of the way it all works. I just, I think it's one of those things where they're not comfortable with it and they're not going to lean into it and they're not going to do it effectively. So could a next coach be? Sure. It probably has to be. It's so important in that game. you got to go get a big three, basically. Well, is, is there an from an NIL perspective to fund a basketball program? I mean, I feel like that's the ongoing question in every sport of replenishing money or generating new money. And I I don't know how great it would be in hoops, but I think it can certainly be better than it currently is. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, like, I'm thinking about, like, how much would it take to buy, you know, a, t- a big three of, of guys that can go, you know, win an ACC title in basketball. I, I, to me, it like seems like I mean, you're 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 making one year investments, obviously, right? Because all all the guys that you're buying that are high level guys are are going to go to depart the program after a year, most likely. So, yeah, I mean, it's just whether it, the the coaching staff wants to engage with that, which I think the current one, like you said, Chris, does not want to, um, which is. I mean, a huge issue in in modern college basketball because you see how all these rosters from you know the Kentuckys and North Carolinas to um, you know even you know local Miami they're all spending right um, and and I think you know if, if FSU had a staff that was willing to play ball like I think that make you know the collectives more open to getting involved in that field but to me I, I just yeah, right now under the current construction of that organization, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to, you know, play ball with, you know, these NIL battles that are going on in the basketball world. I think whoever the next hire is, whether it's in six months, whether it's in a few years, uh, it'll be pretty telling of what you're getting from an NIL uh, promise standpoint. Like what, what assurances have been made. You'll see by the caliber of coach, I think pretty quickly if Florida State's super serious because you won't be able to attract either a bright up-and-comer or some proven commodity, something like that, without them probably having a pretty good assurance of like, hey, FSU will be fully committed to funding a well, upper echelon, I was going to say ACC team. Who knows if you'll be in the ACC in a few years? Probably not, but, but an upper echelon basketball team. I, I think we'll get clarity based on, on that process. Touchdown FSU. How many of the 12 combine invites get drafted? After Verse, Keon, and Fisk, who do you think will have the best NFL career? So, yeah, FSU, uh, for those who aren't, uh, hadn't heard this, FSU had 12 players invited to the NFL scouting combine at the end of the month in, or in early March as well, uh, which is the third most of any team nationally. First was Michigan at 18. Uh, I forget who was second. Washington was second, and, and Florida State was third. So, a talented team. You would have had 11 uh, outside of Jordan Travis. So just a reminder, this was a really good football team, even without uh, the, the quarterback at the end of the season. But Jordan's one of the players who was invited. Renardo Green, Jarian Jones, Tatum Bethune, Kalen Deloach, Braden Fisk, Fabian Lovett, Jared Verse, Jaheim Bell, uh, Trey Benson, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson. It's uh, <laughs> a really good roster. So how many of those guys do we think gets drafted? I'm going to set the over-under, gents, on, hmm, let's say, seven and a half. 
I'll take the over. I think I feel comfortable feeling like eight get picked. Um, I land on Bell, Benson, Coleman, Fisk, Green, Jones versus Wilson. Jordan, I, I, I don't know. I think some of it depends on how he comes off the injury. And Fabian's a guy who I absolutely love, but the college production wasn't great. Though the boy can play. Like, he's one of those guys that, like, if it ever could be there for every game and the reps were higher, he would produce. But he didn't in college. And sometimes film is one of those things everybody falls back on. So I feel comfortable with eight. I think it could exceed that. But I do feel comfortable with the over there. Who do, And the original question was, after these, what, three guys who will be drafted next? Jared Verse, you know, who will have the best NFL career? Oh, who would have the best NFL career? Well, I think Renardo Green would probably be the next name up for me. Uh, I'll, I'll bet on Renardo. Renardo's a guy who improved immensely in his time at FSU, and I think he could be a really good pro. I think it's Jarian Jones. Personally. I just think he's a little bit limited position-wise, like versatility. He is, but – well, I think – I don't know. I, I, mean, think I mean, he played – I mean, I – I know he played a lot, but I think in the NFL, I don't know how much he would move around. In the I think he has higher athletic upside than Renardo does, personally. Like I, I think Renardo benefited a ton from being within FSU scheme because yeah, Renardo was really good at the East-West Shrine game in one-on-one. Yeah, I, I oh, like no. Renardo a ton. I would not bet against him. Um, no, I, any I any man Renardo's whose nickname is awesome Wolverine, I just, I just think has a place in my heart. Jerry Jarian, I think, had the best year amongst FSU's defensive backs this past year. He did. Uh, yeah, from, he was actually from that standpoint. He was awesome. Uh, I mean, like he completely shut down number one receivers on like multiple teams. And I think Jaron does have positional versatility. Like he has the frame to play like a safety and a coverage. You know, if, if there's a lot of asking for him to play in, in space. Um, Nobody's taking Johnny Wilson. There. I feel like he's a layup. Yeah, Johnny Wilson is who I was going to go with just because yeah. if you're banking on probability of like upside, like there's a chance it doesn't work out for him, and he only plays a couple of years in the NFL. Like if it doesn't translate. Dude, the uh, NFL, the NFL does not have an appetite for drops. So if that right. becomes that, that's where I land on it too. Zach. If he continues to have that issue, he, he yeah, they're not. I have a theory that like I think drop rates an overrated uh, concept in in football. Like How the come? difference between drop because you're, the difference between like the worst uh, person with like the worst drop rate and someone with like an average one is like maybe two drops, three drops in a season. Okay, spread out. Okay. Like, uh, but like, but like, the trade-off is, hey, I have this guy who creates all sorts of stress for defenses, and they have to plan on him and know where he's at at all times. Is that worth? Like, occasionally he'll drop a pass. It, I don't it's think it's not worth, the NFL because yeah. he all, all I can say is, like, guys. he can't have a Southern Miss game. Is what I'm saying. Like, if he has that yeah. type of game, he is. But I think Johnny has, Johnny has like the most potential of this entire draft class for Florida State to me. Like, I, he can be an absolute like mismatch and we saw that at times at florida state just the consistency right if he can be consistent i mean he's gonna have the best nfl career of all these guys i also think think johnny real quick who do we think goes higher johnny wilson or braden fisk i don't think braden Braden i think braden i think braden fisk is a guy who senior bowl helped film helped especially late season film i also think when teams talk to braden fisk and put him on a whiteboard they're gonna be like holy hell i love this guy and, and I think Alvin stuff might that. be really good for Braden as well. If he runs a vintage Mike Norvell race, 40 yard dash, then, then you know, he can help himself. Yeah. I just, there's going to be an NFL team that wants to roll the dice on, on Johnny Wilson. And it, 
will be really, yeah. really it is a lot of deep wide receiver class, but there's Johnny like, Johnny too is categorically one of those guys that needs to be drafted by the right minded coach. A guy who will use him correctly, view him as a big receiver, not try to turn him into a tight end, those kind of things. Yeah, if you um, look at the genuine or the general NFL draft like media slash you know people who follow it, like everyone wants to turn him into a tight end. Right. Which I don't think he is. It's a crappy year for tight ends, which might help him if you're looking for like a combo guy who can help you as like a tight end too this upcoming season. It is not a great year for tight ends. Outside I mean, he can of- block, but I, I don't know if he'd be a good inline yeah. block. If you're moving inline, yeah, it's yeah. a little different. Um, and you got like Trey Benson, who's going to probably te- like athletically, like the testing is probably going to be freaky. Yeah. Or, um, or has potential to be. Um, and and yes, there will be NFL teams that, that take a gamble on him. So it's really cool that we're here talking about you know, NFL combine stuff uh, as uh, multiple guys that could be taken outside of, you know, uh, a first rounder or two. It's been a while uh, to where we've been talking about upwards of eight or so players uh, being taken. Spaceman Spiff three wants to know who starts at safety across from Shaheen Brown for FSU in game one, Hussey Brown or someone else. I would put the money on Devonte Brown right now, even though we haven't seen him, but I, I think you'd go with experience. No. Conrad Hussey till the day I die. Okay. Like, yeah, I, I think it's obviously Hussey. I think if you're starting Brown, it, like, you don't think that's a red flag? Like, I, I understand that we think that Brown can be better than he was this past season at a new position, but, like, he is at a new position that he's never played before. I view Brown as Pack. I've said that before, and I'm sticking to my guns. Pack is Jarquez McClellan. Yeah, basically a third safety reliable veteran piece. Um, Yeah, I just, to me, yeah, it's got to be Hussey, right? He's in year two. Okay. There's a lot of, there are a lot of splash plays from Connor and Hussey last year. I guess I'm in the camp of until I know that you're getting consistent scheme play out of him, that I don't know how much appetite there is for the coaching staff to trust playing him. 600 snaps in a season. Yeah, I remember Conrad Hussey didn't have a 15 spring practice yeah, uh, the, under his belt either. There is room for, for growth, and I'm not putting a cap or a People get it. better, Brendan. I understand. I maybe have said that a few times on this show. Devontae Brown can also get, get better, and he's had some really good football under his belt too. Like We're using the most recent sample size for him. I'm using the most recent sample size for Conrad Hussey. I have a lot more sample size to go on with Devontae Brown. That was pretty good at UCF, which was a national championship team not that long ago, if you guys remember correctly. Not according to Kirk. Kirk says goes. Uh, Chunta, 2-1-1. What do you think is more likely to happen? Benson, Malik Benson, over 750 receiving yards, or uh, Roydell Williams, over 750 rushing yards? I think it's got to be Roydell. At Roydell. Right? Like, they love Roydell, and uh, yeah, it's easier yeah. to get 750 rushing yards as a running back in this game. Yeah, Mike will uh, Mike will run the ball with a healthy uh, amount. Malik Benson a little bit more dependent on where he falls on the depth chart, how it all works out. We talked about the receiver stuff earlier, how it's going to be interesting in the spring, how that that group is supporting itself. Yeah. And Roydell's already had solid production at the college level, like what five hundred something yards is probably his top that he's had in a single season. But he'll, uh, I mean, two hundred and fifty yards, he can he can get that done in this offense for an increase year over year. Then. You know, Malik Benson obviously had a, you know, what, 170 yards this past season at Alabama. Obviously, was super productive at Juco, but um, I think it remains to be seen. You know, is he 
truly, truly wide receiver one potential. Because if he is, he's that's probably the number he's going to hit or a little bit above that um, within this offense. Noel Duke, kind of following up on this, asks, does this year's team personnel give Norvell the ability to run the ball more like he likes? Yes, I think so. I've, I've Once I got very hot and heavy with DJU, I very much felt that was the direction they were going. I also think adding a guy like TJ Ferguson, who should upgrade them at the guard position this coming season, is another reason. Yeah, I believe I believe they can be a more run-oriented team who produces more in the running game. I also don't think the explosion on the outside is the same without Keon and Johnny and Jaheim opening things up uh, at that the, middle spot. The explosion might look different. It might be more vertical rather than the 50-50 stuff. Yeah, he's not going to go away from explosive plays. I just think that he's going to be a more willing play caller to be a runner than he was a season ago where if you can get the ball in a guy's hand like Keon Coleman or Johnny Wilson or Jaheim Bell, it usually turns out pretty well. One one aspect of last year that like I know there's frustration with the run game, and it was starting to get going a little bit uh, towards the end of the season, and Jordan gets hurt, and hey, you're still able to find ways. Like against Louisville, you were able to find it in the Wildcats. You were able to find uh, some ways there, but it was not as consistent as Florida State wanted, and there's a variety of, of reasons why. I don't think you could guard almost offense last year. It, there's, it was a ton of plays that like could have been out the gate uh, to seal a Jimboism, but like, I think Trey Benson was looking for home runs a lot of the time. Now he started settling in some, but still there were examples of like just, there was there were yards to be had, and he struggled with it. Rodney Hill, same thing, and and then sometimes it wasn't always blocked up particularly well. I think that that really bothered Mike Norvell, and I think it created like when they thought they could do that, and then they couldn't to the extent they thought. Like that changed a lot of the way they they called games and. Um, Brings me to my point. We've talked about Cam Ward a little bit on this this podcast, and it's going to be interesting that him and DJU were recruited in a similar fashion. You end up with DJU if you're Florida State. Cam Ward goes to Miami. This offense has been built with the the people who were brought in. Uh, Chris mentioned Ferguson. We talked about Malik Benson, who's like a what, like a 10, 10.4 second 40-yard dash guy. Uh, Jalen Brown being added. It's a 10-6 guy. Uh, you basically are going to try to replicate some of the things that he did really well at Oregon state with a lot of speedy wide receivers last year, play action, heavy offense, which means that you need at least need the run game to be something that defenses fear. Like it has to be some level of like respectable. And all this was done strategically to build around DJU when you realize he was going to be your quarterback because at that point in the transfer portal, after the first wave, when it was pretty slow, they had, recruits legitimately asking questions like, Hey, who's going to be the quarterback? This is where it gets interesting to me guys. It's like, they basically told Cam Ward, like, Hey man, you have to decide like if you want this or not. And Cam ended up declaring for the NFL draft, but always kind of had one foot in one foot out of coming back. And FSU decided we need maturity. We need someone who wants to be here. We need a direction. And to what we've talked about earlier with DJU, like that was his his background. So point being is you build your entire offense around the idea of DJU or also like if it's Brock Glenn, like going to have someone who has a big arm and can push the ball downfield, which we've seen as well. They like that those skill sets are kind of transferable to an extent. Yeah, Malik Benson, Jalen Brown going vertical, Roy Dell Williams being physical as a runner, but also a capable receiver out of backfield. 
and Roydell is, you know, for lack of a better like comparison, he's that what you missed so much to last year and what you had two years ago is that Treshawn Ward type of guy with more juice. Like he's got more juice than than Treshawn does, but quick one cut go, you got a hole, you hit it. Uh, where there was too much dancing last year. And so again, efficient running game, stay on, stay on schedule as a passing attack. It is all done with this in mind. Now, is it going to work out that way? We will see, but like getting the run game going uh, and having it to be consistent in what you've acquired in the off season, that's all done intentionally. Like it's all been part of a, a structured like path to try to get the offense to be more efficient than it was last season, which was good but it wasn't great. And there were some great pieces there. And so getting it to be more balanced and more consistent. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a thing. Yeah. On Roy Dell real quick. I've heard that Trajan Ward comparison before he's got him by about 15, 20 pounds, similar height, similar builds, but he, he's a thick uh, guy. His, uh, we saw him, his upper body. Uh, he's put together. And don't get him confused with Trey. Like he's not Trey Benson build of like, this just tank from top to bottom. But like, yeah, he's, he's going to have a little bit more strength than, than Trayshawn Ward, um, I think is the expectation. Really miss Greg Ward, TBH, asks, who are you guys expecting to step up in leadership roles this year? Roy I know Dell. Williams is a name. That yeah, I think Roy Dell is a guy offensively who could. Um, I think DJU will, to a degree, I think he's very comfortable in those shoes. Truthfully, I think Brock will, even if he's not starting. I think Brock's a kid that kind of enjoys that. Defensively, I don't know. Like that, and I've thought about that a good bit since last season concluded. Last year was kind of clear who the guys who had been in the system for a while were who would speak up, guys who are involved in the system who would speak up, Jerry and Jones, for example, or a new guy who was just comfortable with that because, well, he was well liked in Braden Fisk. I don't know who it is this year. I, I, I don't feel comfortable with the defensive line trio who likes to play some games saying that they definitely will be, but Pat Payton could be. Um, Linebacker, you know, I don't know if Lundy's that guy. I don't know if that's how he operates mentally. And in the secondary, could be Fentrell as a second-year guy in it, but I don't feel confident slapping that label on him. So, truthfully, I don't know. Maybe uh, Shaheen? I, I've heard. I, I think they've been pushing for that. I don't know if he's just yeah. natural to that. I mean, Shaheen's a talker. Um, he is someone who – I mean, he, he was, to me, one of the more demonstrative players at practice last year in terms of chirping, in terms of going and being engaged on both sides of the ball, talking to guys, loving them up. Uh, if they didn't have a good play, letting them know. Like, he has that in him, but now it can't be as an assistant, right? Like, it can't be as as, as uh, cursory kind of um, helping helping add some juice. Like, you have to be the guy who brings it all the time. And with Shaheen Brown, like, one piece of feedback I've gotten from this offseason is that he has kind of – he's grasped that concept. And so, like – leading by example uh, is a thing that he has the potential to do. He is up first in lines consistently. He's been pretty good with some of the younger players. Azaria Thomas too. And, and AZ is not a talker by any means. That is going to talk about you want to lead by example. Like that is, that is what he's going to do. But those are the two, I think on defense who have a chance is AZ, Shaheen Brown. Um, you know, we'll have to see the rest. DJ Lundy is a name we've heard a lot in uh, the interviews with some of the newcomers. Like guys, younger linebackers have mentioned DJ Lundy, DJ Lundy, DJ Lundy as a guy who is taking them under his wing. And yeah, we have to see how it looks in the spring, but that's a name we've heard consistently. Sione. Uh, I think Sione is another guy and, and Tommy was as well, both the newcomers at defensive end. Uh, Mike Norvell, defensive staff. Like I think they're really excited about what those guys can do. And 
uh, how they're going to push some of the incumbent defense alignment who maybe even always showed the most maturity. And you bring some really mature, goal-oriented, driven players onto that line, like that might be good for everyone. So those are some names. I'm not concerned about it. I'm just not sure who to slap the label on. I'm a little concerned about it. Like, like you need Josh Farmer I, and Daryl Jackson and Pat Payton to be guys who you can uh, – they're accountable. They're going to be some of the highest-paid players on your roster. They're experienced at this point. They're going to be some of your most talented players. Like this is on the, this is going to, this team is going to have their fingerprints are going to be all over this team and for better or worse, like this, this is a big season for them and they have a chance to be really, really good. And for this defense to be really great, but they have to be leaders. Lead by There's team. also a degree though, of we just interviewed all of these newcomers, including a great deal of transfers. And it's pretty consistent theme that like, they take goal-oriented guys who seem to be pretty level-headed, who kind of understand what they're walking into and have a great deal of respect for the head coach. I recruit him. I mean, Sean Murphy is a guy, like, he's probably never been in that role and whatnot, but he is probably going to be a starting linebacker for this team if you're projecting the depth chart right now. Like, do I think he's capable? Yeah, he comes off as a smart guy who seems focused, certainly doesn't look like he takes days off in the weight room, so – it will be interesting to watch that evolve. And that, that evolves in real time in spring. You know, Mike loves to say leadership isn't talking. It's more action. I think we'll see that in spring. But you are right about those returning guys, the guys who are the DNA of the program. because They've now been here three, four years in some cases. It, it is pivotal that they are at least not disruptive forces, but hopefully guys that help the guide the ship. We got a pivotal from Chris. I love it. Let's see. Okay, uh, this is gonna be fun to know if Zach knows what the hell Chris three 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 is talking about. This is you as in me. You and me road trip together. Which music group would you rather listen to on repeat? Spice Girls or Hanson Brothers? So before we get Chris's answer on this, any idea who either of those two bands are? I know mean, who the Spice band? Girls are. That's like Beyonce, right? No. Tell me what you want. What you no, wait, really wait, wait, want. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what? You think Beyonce was in the Spice Girls? That's what I thought. <laughs> you got automobiles. You got telephone bills. She was in Destiny's Child. I know some of the songs. I do. Beyonce was but... in Destiny's Child. To okay. clarify that for you. <laughs> With Kelly Rowland, and I can't remember the other young lady's name. Uh, Hanson Brothers. I like a little Mbop. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm not a fan of either, but I think the Spice Girls probably have the better catalog. But you have more, I mean, Hanson had one song, right? Three, two. Spice Girls was the whole thing. 90s. Aged ourselves instead of Chris 33333. Link to the Future wants to know, what does Clay Fink have to do to get a staff badge? Tampa Knowles 776 follows it up with, is Clay Fink at Knowles247.com staff writer, intern 24-7 writer. Zach, remember when they used to be this, uh, intrigued by you like where's zach what's wait, zach wait. Doing? Clay, clay doesn't have a staff badge when i i had the whole staff and the analyst thing worked on this week which included getting trey Rollins' name to actually appear i have an I update we, i have an update i thought we resolved that i have a message as of 8 42 this morning i've been having an issue getting clay's badge on his profile so i'm working on that uh, it's been asked about uh, for pat, some come on pat i didn't want to out who it was jesus chris I don't know. I, I don't know what you guys want. Is, is it going to change your experience that much if, if Clay gets a staff badge? Is your life going to change? You'll be able to sleep better at night? I thought this really was all days ago. He's done an extraordinary job. I sent a memo about the memo. 
Clay wants to know, Clay Fink, maybe you've heard of him, who will return kicks and who will return punts? Uh, Jalen Lucas is the answer for kicks. For punts, I'm not as sure. Maybe AZ. They were working on that with him uh, this past year. He'd be Trey Jacobs, maybe? Yeah, Vandravius Jacobs would be another. Uh, you're going to miss Keon Coleman. I thought you were going to miss Micah Pittman, just how consistent he was. Keon Coleman, maybe not quite as consistent, but more explosive. Uh, but we saw when, when Keon wasn't able to play last year, like it, it bottomed out pretty quickly. Bro, like maybe maybe Jakai, and you know, if you give him the time to actually prepare himself to do no. it, he's more comfortable than he looked. I don't know. I don't know. I make mean, make it a family thing, Lucas and Douglas. Uh, he struggled a lot when he was asked to. I don't feel great about that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be a newcomer, maybe like Jalen Brown or someone like that. Maybe just have one guy dedicated to a punt returner the entire practice, just catches the ball over and over and over again, and that's all he does. Byer Sinone, the water gun by John Sinone. I don't think it makes knows. great pictures. That is all right. Clay Fink also wants to know if the team enters the season with only one long snap. No, we're not asking about me being a long snapper. Uh, dark poot. Do we have any edge position players on the 24 roster that will be locks to be on the 2025 roster? I mean, yeah. Like Byron Turner will probably be a guy who at this point, you know, in year four, like would be like a, a Tommy Wah. Or at least a, a rotation guy. I think Tommy was, yeah, multi multi-year guy. Marvin, Marvin Jones Jr. is probably a multi-year guy. Like whether that means lock, I don't know. But yeah, I mean you're you brought in guys with multiple years of eligibility left intentionally in the transfer portal. So Yes, you you would probably have some guys. Uh, Montgomery Knoll, do you think the ACC refs will be even more biased against FSU now that the lawsuit is filed? Which game in 2023 is the most egregious example of ACC, ACC refs having a vendetta against FSU? Before you answer that, Chris, I was at the coaching clinic, uh, the Nike coaching clinic, and Mike Marvell was talking about program stuff and controlling the controllables. I don't think he loves ACC refs based on what he told the room of like 500 college coaches. Well, they were atrocious a season ago, and some of that atrociousness was very much directed in FSC's direction. Um, I don't Virginia think it'll Tech be any... was the worst game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, VT was worse. That's the first yeah. one that popped in my head. Um, I don't think it'll be any worse. They just stink at their job. Like, it's amazing how atrocious they are. Yeah, and it's, it's across multiple sports. Were they, was it ACC refs against UF, or was that SEC? It would have been ACC. That was the most atrocious call I've ever seen. Oh, the Akeem Dent one? Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty horrible call. Pretty horrible call. Unknown Injury wants to know who's your favorite player on the roster right now. Uh, favorite player on the roster right It's now. probably Sione with his uh, rat tail, right? I, like I do Sione. love Sione's He's a very story. nice kid. I like, the cut, I like the cut of his jib. Is that the right way to say it? Um, I like Sione. I like Roydell. I like, I like some of the new guys they brought in. Um, oh. I mean, Darius Dar- yeah, I was going to say Darius has always had a soft place in our hearts. Uh, we, we've known him a long time. He's worked really hard at it. Yeah. Um, I'm just surprised Brendan didn't, didn't say Josh Farmer. Um, uh, Why? Because think, he said that my reporting was in, incorrect when it was factual? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you guys are we're just moving so on. We'll, we'll bury the, um, good. the answer is always uh, Conrad Hussey. True. I think DJU. I like DJ. I like Brock Glenn. Um, Luke Romanhawk was impressive. Luke too, yeah. yeah, man. So one thing that the consensus of the, I think it was 28 players that 
that were presented to the media in the last few weeks. Uh, Chris was at every one of those. I was at most of them. Zach, you've listened to them. Like in general, that group, uh, Chris mentioned goal oriented earlier. I think that was a good way to describe it. Uh, a largely like a very mature group, even some of the younger guys. Like uh, there is an intentionality, uh, if that's a word, to the the type of person that that Mike brings into the program. Uh, doesn't mean you're going to have like 100% hit rate. Doesn't mean it's all going to to mesh perfectly. Uh, but in an odds game, when you're playing probabilities, like yeah, getting mature guys who understand what they're being brought into, understand the work that's going to be asked of them. Uh, and, and kind of falling into some of the ethos that he wants in terms of of being mature and uh, being willing to sacrifice like throughout a course of a, of a year and a season, whether it's time, whether it's playing time, things like that. Um, this group seems to have it. So it it's encouraging, I think, long term with what is continuing to be established here at Florida State. Uh, walk with <laughs> Walk with the Papuchas wants to know, why is my significant other so mad about me posting on the board at this specific moment? It's posted at 2-14-2024 at 8.25 p.m. So Valentine's Day evening. I think we got the answer there. Uh, all right. Let's play Byers to know real quick because we're running a little long here. Brought to you by the Turner get, Group. We want to get to the Turner Group and, and all Becky. the good work that they do. And Becky, who's part of the Turner Group. Uh, the Turner Group, if you're looking to buy or sell a home in the state of Florida, no place we'd, we'd send you to other than the Turner Group. They do a fantastic job uh, with networking, with having resources to help you go ahead and find your dream home, to sell your home at a good price. I know it's a, a daunting task to go ahead and enter the housing market. Uh, if you do decide to do so, you want someone who you're going to be good hands with. That is the Turner Group, Colin Turner, awesome dude. Uh, go ahead, Google the Turner Group, get all the information there, let them know we sent you. Uh, and yeah, he will take leads. He will talk to you. He'll see what works for you. It's going to be a low pressure outfit. So Turner group, uh, by Orsonon brought to you by the Turner, Turner group. FSU adds within two players of attrition this spring, i.e. if five players transfer out, they'll add three. Uh, I think two automatically one, you're going to have to shed guys Two automatically. I think you add another linebacker and D tackle. Yeah. I think you add a D tackle almost assuredly. What is the so count five. at in your world right now, Brendan? 88 or 89, right? Hang on. I think that's what uh, it is. They have to lose I'm like... at 80. I'm at 88 at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. So they would have to lose five to add two. And that's presuming they're not keeping their count lower because of the lovely MCA situation. Oh, yeah. That's true. So they have that. But there's, there's attrition, some... attrition. Attrition will be natural after the spring. There's a few guys at a few spots who are going to realize their role is not what they thought it was going to be. So that's yeah. just going to come. Yeah. Uh, there are like five to ten names that come to my head immediately. That, Name that makes sense. I, I think I said um, no in the question because I think mathematically it's going to be more attrition, less addition, and the number won't work out to the question. Matt, 329, Byers sponsored by? Determined. FSU has it. Damn it, Brendan. I'm getting tired. FSU has attended its last ACC winter meeting. Uh, I'm going to know now. I think they've probably got one more under their belt. But will they be future members of the ACC when they attend it? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think that's ultimately the goal. But we'll see if this situation legally will be sat down and figured out or if it's going to go the course to the courts. Because if it goes through the courts, it's probably going to be at least an 18 to 24 to 30 month process. 
based on what we learned from the Maryland situation with the ACC. Case hearing coming in March. March? Yeah, like March 12th, I think it is. In, in North Carolina. Now, that doesn't mean the case will be presented in North Carolina as a hearing. Yeah, I, I think the big step is documentation. If the decision is made that documents should be dumped, not redacted, so on and so forth, I think that could motivate the two parties to come together. I don't think the ACC is in a rush. I have a lot of their uh, stuff flaunted out there publicly. Byer Sinone by Fry 3000. FSU basketball is a bad job. Sorry, Chris, uh, you're buy here. I, I, don't, I, I don't think, think it's a good job. Yeah, I, I think I'd buy. The arena's behind date. The BTC's a little outdated. You know, you're in the ACC, and the ability to compete at the highest level consistently in that league at this place is probably pretty low. You know, presuming FSU goes to the Big Ten, that, that holds true. Same comment. So, yeah, I guess I'd go with buy. But I think all jobs are capable of being as good as a guy running it wants to make it. Yeah, I think to the I can hear people saying, well, they've done it before and Ham has to his credit, but that was pre-transfer portal and NIL era. It's changed yeah. drastically in a very short window. I go with buy in part because I think if if you're trying to hire a candidate and it's FSU versus uh, say Michigan opens because Juwan's done a miserable job there versus Michigan. The, the candidates probably choose Michigan, like just comparing it to. So I think in that sense, yes, it would be categorized as a bad job in quotation. TB3 goal 7014, Byers and presented by a Turner Group. Twisters will be an epic flop, and Hollywood should be ashamed of disgracing the goat Bill Paxton and his legacy. If there's not a cow flying, I'm not going. Jonas, son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what we're talking about, Zach? I do. It's the tornado movie. Starring Beyonce? Yes. And um, the Spice Girls? I think it's going to be good. I just want to know what the pitch was like. We're going to make this movie about tornadoes. We're going to call it Twisters. Well, they got a Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice sequel, and it's Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, which opens it up for obviously a, a trilogy as well. Because if you say it three times, it'll show up. Uh, one piece of like advice when you're watching Twister... Think of it as a slasher film, but the, the slasher is a twister. Okay. Thank you. For I'll Chris and me, Zach Blostein. You, you changed my I'm, view completely I'm, on that. I'm trying to get out of the way here. All right, someone take us home. I'm done. I want to do it. I'm done. For Brendan, for Zach, for myself, thanks for listening. Make sure to rate us five stars on whatever service you use. Oh, let's do it. What?